Hello, everyone. Jason here. Before I kick off the next episode of Cross Street Coaching, I wanted to give everyone a heads up that my guest and I had to hop on the phone for this conversation. So the audio quality is going to be a little different than what you're used to. However, Dr. Claudia Solorzano and I got connected via a coaching Facebook group. And in that group, there was a, a post about someone who has experienced um, therapy in the past. And there were a lot of comments that were speaking very definitively, sometimes very harshly to other coaches about what they should and shouldn't do. Therefore, I thought it was timely to bring an expert on the podcast in this field to explore and unpack that conversation a little bit more. So even if we couldn't get together in the times of COVID-19 and the audio quality is a little different, I still think it's a very worthwhile conversation and honestly just the start of a very important topic. So without further ado, I bring you Dr. Claudia Solorzano. I have a very special guest, Claudia. Hello, I am uh, Dr. Claudia Solorzano. Dr. Claudia, how do you like to be introduced? Uh, Dr. Claudia is good. Um, I am a um, doctor of psychology. I have a a doctorate in uh, clinical psychology and I have uh, about 14 years of experience uh, with treating clients. And I began transitioning into coaching last year, uh, decided to uh, change the focus in terms of uh, what kind of work I do and, and the, the clients that I work with. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit, because I would love to dive into your history, but yes. before we do, I'd love to, you know, I kind of already teed it up. What are the reasons that you agreed to come on the show today? Well, you know, um, I think it's wonderful to share knowledge. I I think it's so important to be able to talk about um, these two particular um, uh, modalities of helping people. Let's say uh, being a coach uh, and this is your your focus or being a psychotherapist, a counselor, a therapist, there's different terms for it, Um, and, and simply working together, but at the same time, understanding the differences. I think it's very important. It's it's good to share this knowledge and I'm happy to do it because I think coaches do have these questions and I think therapists also wonder uh, what coaches are doing, you know? So I think it's good to, to share this information, having the background in clinical psychology, uh, also doing coaching now. Um, I can share uh, some of the experiences that I have and the knowledge and, and what I see to be different. Yeah, it's interesting. As I started this podcast, I, I've come across several people like you that have, have made the leap from therapy mm-hmm. and therapeutic type services into coaching. And so I'd love for you to share your background and your experience and then the transition into into the world of coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a trauma-focused uh, therapist. Um, I, I published my research on uh, post-traumatic stress disorder um, using energy psychology as a form of healing and cognitive behavioral therapy. So I have all that background. I'm the doctor that people come and see when things are really falling apart for them. And so what I do is I identify the trauma and try to help stabilize the person and help them move forward in their life. Um, but it's definitely uh, intense work. It's very intense. A lot of times you do work with populations uh, that are not 
uh, high functioning, very low functioning. I'm trying to get them to an average level of functioning um, so they can be a part of society. Um, things like that. Um, a lot of diagnosing, there's a lot of uh, focus on the mental illness part. Uh, so people that have difficulty getting through their day. And so that's basically uh, the population that I've worked with for about 14 years. When I transitioned into coaching, uh, it's generally a different population. It's, de- it's, it's people that are the, the clients that I've worked with are functioning fairly well and are trying to get to new levels of achievement in their life. They have um, general ability to uh, function in relationships and jobs, things like that, but they're seeking to grow and seeking to achieve. And um, there isn't always mental illness, you know, um, generally speaking, although there sometimes there might be some symptoms. And so for what I notice is a different level of functionality and um, overall their goals are different. The goal, the goal is to achieve uh, when I'm working with clients uh, with coaching, whereas in the past, it's more like survival. I just, I need to survive. I need to get through each day and I don't know how. Wow. And so what led you initially to your work with, you know, with low functioning individuals, you mentioned CBT, uh, energy yes. therapies. So can you talk about how you actually entered into that world? Yes. So I've always been, um, I'm sure my answer is not going to be unfamiliar to any of any of us that are in the helping world. Um, you know, I grew up with a lot of trauma, you know, so I was all, I was always looking for an answer as to why I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin. And I went down the path of, of looking into psychology because we, I think we, all of us have questions, you know, uh, about why we feel the way we do or why we have a family member that confuses us or things like that. And for me, oh, I had yeah. a lot of family members that confuse me. <laughs> so I Very said, similar. you know what, I'm just going to go into psychology to figure this out. And so what I did is I learned a lot about illness. You know, I learned a lot about illness and I began to understand more about um, the whys of, of, of my life. And so it was wonderful. And it, and, and as I began to understand more, I had this motivation to help other people understand and help them leave the, the painful web of, of darkness that's there when you don't know what's what or why. And so that's how I began uh, doing the work. Um, absolutely loved healing. I've always loved to see people begin to smile and, and feel hope. And that's what I would do is hold the space for them and, and uh, hold that, that um, possibility of things turning around for them. So love to do that. And uh, in 2008, I began to study alternative healing uh, because all the years of education that I had, there was a, there was a, a lot of focus on psychopathology, which is the illness of, of the mind, uh, diagnosing um, and medication, things like that. But I really wanted to focus on how to heal. You know, how do you heal? Uh, how do you help people understand healing? How do you help people understand themselves and achieve their goals with with a direct focus, uh, not spending months and months and months in therapy digging into their subconscious. How do you get direct to, directly to to achieve their goals? And so yeah. I've studied alternative healing for 12 years, and then I'm now into coaching. Very cool. So before we, we talk about coaching, I had a, a previous guest that'll either be either before or after your episode. 
and she mm-hmm. was a, a clinical social worker. And I asked her very specific questions about what was going on with her when she knew it was time to to transition away from her craft that she's dedicated so much time to. And I'm interested in, in your your experience as well, because I think a lot of people, when they start either getting into coaching or transitioning um, transitioning career fields, that it can be a very, very difficult experience and things of, of failure or, or those kind of emotions come up. So can you share a little bit about experience about when you knew it was time to kind of move away from clinical work and, and start to look into coaching? You know, I know exactly when that happened. Um, It's interesting, but I feel really happy inside (laughs) and I want to work with happier people and I want to do happier things in my day. It doesn't mean that I don't like working with issues that, that people have, but in the clinical work, it's a very, very, um, heavy type of work what was specifically what I was doing and I'm in a different space internally and so I began to feel a draw into coaching which was still going to be helping others but the line the, the way I was going to do the work was going to be different and so I knew that it was time because I'm different on the inside than when I than when I started my my training and and all the clinical work 14 16 years ago yeah. Can you tell us specifically what you were experiencing that, that were the signs that say, oh, Dr. Claudia, it's, it's time for a change? You know, I'll give you one example. Um, let's say I had, let's say I, I have uh, my phone and I have a client uh, that texts me and says, you know, I feel, I feel suicidal right now and I need to, I need to be hospitalized. I need to go to the hospital or something like that. That was my day-to-day life. I, I was responsible uh, for people's lives for many years. And I began to not want to be in that position anymore. That was a big thing that I noticed is I don't want to carry that heaviness. I don't want to talk to hospitals anymore, hospitalize people, make sure that, you know, um, they're not hearing voices, uh, they're not hurting others, things like that. So that began to not be interesting to me anymore. Although I think it's very important and I'm, I, I'm thankful for the people that are doing the work and are going to continue after. Yeah. And that sounds like a, a very common occurrence, the way that you described it. Mm-hmm. And, and I love it. You know, if, if someone came to me still, like if my colleagues know, hey, there's someone that really needs your help because they know that I can pull them out of that very dark space. I will do it so that I will, I will take cases that that um, need my help or I will guide another therapist on how to help them get out of that space. But I don't necessarily want to do it every day anymore. Yeah, I completely understand. So take us to when you started discovering coaching as a, as a practice and what the experience was like deciding to go into it. You know, I think I've been doing some coaching all along the way. I've been, you know, you don't necessarily label it coaching, but when you start, you start really structuring um, a treatment or, or a session on how to achieve a particular goal, how to get how to get certain blocks out of the way. I think I've been doing that for a really long time because when you're doing therapeutic work, you're doing a lot of different things at once. But I finally uh, started doing the coaching more last year, and it, it was a different it was a a different way of helping people. And I wasn't digging so deep into the the roots and the dirt of everything. I was staying at a, at a higher level, like a, a surface level of 
of where the person was and just helping them, you know, learn how to function and how to grow without necessarily having to go into all the painful stuff that they've gone through in their life. What was your training like? In terms of coaching? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've talked to uh, a couple of coaches that have been working with me that have been in the field for a long time. I've done my own reading um, and just tons of research on coaching and making sure that um, I understand, you know, the the differences, you know, the differences in terms of what is a coach doing versus, you know, what is a therapist doing and where is the overlap too? Because that's a big, that's a big uh, common occurrence is that as you're transitioning out of uh, of being a psychotherapist or a social worker, like you said, you interviewed uh, and go into coaching, you find that you're, there's a little bit of gray area and you're like, okay, when is it coaching? When is it therapy? And just Mm -hmm. kind of learning some of the basic differences between the two. So um, that's what's been happening in this last year. Yeah. So it sounds like rather than going through an accreditation, you've primarily self-taught. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I'm open to uh, one of the things I love is I love to continue learning. So I'm happy to to take on any accreditation uh, in the future as long as it's always serving me to grow. Because one of the things that um, a couple of the coaches that I've talked to have said is it's not so much how many credentials you have behind your name. Don't mm-hmm. get too caught up into that. It's it's how good are you at helping people, you know, and how how effective are you in taking a look at the outcomes and making sure that what they want from you is what you can give. So I do keep that in mind. Very cool. Yeah, I I come from ICF, but I've seen both sides, which is I have seen people that have no credential that are absolutely amazing coaches. Right, right. They sit. And then people that do have their credentials, I've sat on some of their webinars and I've been, oh, that's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so that's what, it, that's what the conversations have been, which is, don't get too focused on the credentials um, because the people that you're working with aren't necessarily going to be focusing on that. They, the credentials are important, but what's more important is your delivery and whether you can help people in, in whatever whatever specialty you're going to have. Yeah. And as a big proponent of the ICF, I, I don't think a, a client has ever asked me about about my accreditation. It was more right. of my personal achievement. Right. Very cool. And it, and it does feel good. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I know that having a doctorate and having all that training definitely helps and, and continuing to grow in, in different ways will always be helpful too. Yeah. So that takes us to today. And you had talked about now that you have been in the coaching world for a year and you realize that there's a lot of overlap, kind of Talk about what that experience has been like and how that changes the way that you service and help out your clients today. Yeah, I've noticed that there is um, an overlap because when people look for help, um, like when they look for a a mental health professional versus a coach, they're they're stuck. There's something happening in their life that they feel they can't resolve on their own. Um, What I have noticed personally is the the level of how stuck they are and the the like I've mentioned earlier the level of pain the 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 functionality that is happening in their life is different and so what I um what I do is I meet people where they are in the present as a coach and I slowly help them map out a plan of how they're going to move forward and achieve the the goal the desired goal um in therapy, it's a completely different thing. <laughs> it's a completely different thing. And we dig a lot, you know, especially uh, the kind of therapist I was, I was uh, definitely focused on the roots 
uh, of people and what was going on in their early childhood, first 10 years. I always spent quite a bit of time on, on the first 10 years of a person's life and then make connections to the present. Um, and there was always a lot of pain that we had to clean out before we could even talk about goals. It's mm-hmm. very different. Yeah. And so one of the things that, that connected us was a, in a, a coaching group, a Facebook post about yes. how a, a person who was also a coach but then had, had received a lot of therapy was concerned about the level of therapeutic advice that coaches were giving and I, I do believe mm-hmm. you mentioned trauma. That's the, the capital T mm-hmm. trauma. And that is a huge mm-hmm. stop sign for a lot of professional coaches at whatever specialty that they go. And so what, what is your opinion on, on that topic? Well, you know, I've, I've uh, studied trauma, trauma quite a bit and, um, and definitely interacted with a lot of trauma specialists. And uh, probably 99% of the population has trauma. <laughs> And so you kind of want to start with that. Um, But I think that um, something that is important to consider is it's not so much that you're looking for the client that doesn't have trauma. I think Mm -hmm. trauma, you know, can look in can look very differently for many different people. It could be a, a what what could seem like a very small situation for one person for another was a very painful and traumatic experience. So I think that when when a person has a significant amount of trauma where uh, deeper work needs to happen uh, to undo the trauma that is living inside of them, then it may be necessary to work in conjunction with a professional that knows how to go in that direction. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to uh, refer out every particular client that, that says, hey, I've had some trauma, you know, because we all have to some degree. And there's gonna, it's, it's something very natural that humans go through at any given moment in their life. Yeah. And my, so my, my personal feeling on it is that even if someone has a psychological disorder, let's say bipolar, mm-hmm. depressive, anxiety mm-hmm. issues, is that coaching can kind of run parallel to because yes, they're mm-hmm. therapy, but they also have the the other, you know, seven days out of the week where they're not in therapy that they are trying to trying to figure out their life and maybe helping some structure can prove beneficial well not for everyone so in your view does it is it sequential does can they run simultaneously what's been your experience absolutely i think i think that many things can happen at the same time i don't you can definitely have a coach as well as a psychiatrist as well as a psychologist as well as a spiritual person that can help you or or a yoga teacher or you know a personal trainer you can have all the help that you need um, at the same time, obviously, as long as the person can afford it, <laughs> you know, yeah. they can have a lot. <laughs> it can be very expensive to have all this, all this help. But yes, and I think that if if the all the helpers, uh, I like to call them helpers, if all the helpers can work together to help this person get to where this person would like to get in life, I think it's a wonderful thing that can definitely happen. You know, uh, there are some things that um, mental health professionals uh, spend so much time focusing on that, that they can help the, the client with. And then there's things that, that, that they can just hand it over to the coach, you know, yeah. that, the, that the mental health professional doesn't have to work on. Absolutely. It is very expensive to be sick in this country. Yes. Both mentally. Absolutely. And I'm sure we could spend <laughs> a whole session on that one. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So we, we've talked a lot about the similarities, but just to mm-hmm. make sure that we, we, 
take a full lap around this. What are the red flags, the stoplights that you see for coaches on when it's best to conclude coaching and possibly refer out or both? In my opinion, uh, I think that when the client, um, first of all, if the client is having an impaired um, functioning in multiple areas of their life, that is something that I that I definitely would look at. Let's say they're not able to hold a relationship or hold a job. They're not able to care for themselves. They're not able to pay their bills, things like that. That person is, is uh, in a deterioration phase. And mm. so if you have a person that is looking for a coach, but it's actually falling apart internally, I think that's a good, that's a good uh, place, place where you would refer out uh, because they may need more than just talking to them. A lot of times um, they do need medication. Uh, they need to be evaluated for that. A lot of times uh, they're going to need social workers involved to help them um, function and, and maybe they're, they're going to be on disability, things like that. So, so it opens up a lot of things. So I would say, where are they in their functioning? I think that's a very good place. I also would say if a person is at risk of hurting themselves or someone else, you know, sometimes they come in with these issues. That's when I would refer out also. So, uh, or if there's any type of uh, danger that they might be in with a relationship or things like that, and it can be it can become a very big situation, a child abuse situation, things like that, then I would definitely consider working with a, a mental health profession. Yeah, thank you for that. I think most people know that the big things, like if they say, like the text message that you got that you referred to earlier, that would be mm-hmm. very much so. But I think the deterioration is is most often where people that are looking for coaching, they know they need help, but they're just, you know, in a very, mm-hmm. very cloudy environment. And so I think that helps give coaches a little bit more acute sense of, of when they should actually be pulling the parachute, so to speak. And, you know, something that I learned recently from a client that I work with, um, they are a candidate for working with a coach, but um, something they said was, I feel less ill if I work with a coach than if I go seek mental health treatment. Mm. And and so that's that was a very big statement because that helped me uh, understand that as a coach, you are also responsible to make sure to um, remove some of that shame and help them feel comfortable with whichever way they have to go, whether it be working with a coach or whether it be working with a mental health professional, whatever their needs are, helping them welcome that path, what it, depending on, on where they are in their life. Yeah. And so... Now that we've kind of opened up the door for coaching, uh, you and I had discussed before we started recording about intuition. And so I'd love to to segue into that and talking about now that you're, you talked a little bit about your coaching style, and I'd love to hear from you about how you're using your intuition to really help shape your clientele and how you're helping them for success. Absolutely. Um, I can use it even now. Um, I intuitively have been uh, focusing a lot on expanding uh, from being a a doctor of psychology to a coach and just uh, intuitively just knowing that this is the direction that I would go into. And then here I am doing a podcast with you. So that's an example. But but I think that when you're working with clients, uh, when something that I mentioned earlier was using your intuition, there's a compass uh, that you have inside of yourself that is very wise and that will help you uh, make decisions and know how to move forward 
whether it be working, coaching a client on a particular issue or, or taking on a new client and things like that. Um, your intuition is a wisdom that you have inside of you that you can trust if you develop the ability uh, to listen to it and, and honor it every single day of your life. And so it's, it's, it's a muscle almost that you develop. And so I, I live by, by uh, listening to the intuitive sense, which you feel in your body. You, if you listen, if you begin to listen to your body, uh, you begin to listen to your thoughts. Uh, your intuition is very peaceful and it guides you. So uh, I encourage that a lot as you're working with clients. Yeah, one of my favorite sayings from a, a fellow coach, he often shares with me that your intuition is 100% correct, but your interpretation Absolutely. may not be. Absolutely. Yeah. So for coaches that are looking to grow that intuition muscle, how did you learn to, to listen to it? and use it like you are today? One of the things that I've done, I've, I've been listening to intuition. Uh, I've been practicing this for 12 years already. Um, so it's interesting, but you have to get your mind out of the way. You have to learn to get your mind out of the way, get all these thoughts out of the way, get get all the shoulds out of the way. And it's almost like you learn to feel and listen and let yourself take steps according to that. There's a big trust factor into it. But I would say the main thing is get your mind out of the way. It's very, it's full of clutter and it's, it's, it's full of all the voices that say how you should behave or what you should do and learn to set that aside and learn to just be and listen to that. There's a very sweet, peaceful feeling about it. And once you develop that, you're going to love it because it guides you in the right direction. Yeah, that already sounds really awesome. But of course, my <laughs> next question is, Dr. Claudia, how did you get your yes. mind out of the way? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I I definitely have been focusing a lot on that uh, for many years. Otherwise, you, I wouldn't have survived with the kind of work I used to do. And I think now still self-care is important. Uh, I have a daily practice. So I do EFT. I do a lot of tapping. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, emotional freedom technique, uh, tapping daily. I do uh, breath work uh, daily and I spend uh, at least an hour daily in nature, just listening to the music of nature and uh, feeling that vibration, uh, honoring alone time and quietness with no phone, no talking, and just allowing my, my inner my inner world to be and express. And so I do that and I do uh, sound healing as well. So every day I'm doing that. Um, additional to that, you know, my journaling or, you know, I have my own set of healers that I work with, but those are my daily practices that definitely help. Yeah. And what does that actually look like? I mean, are these, are these apps, is it something specific that, that you've got access to? Well, you know, there's a lot of access to, to different stuff on the internet, but yeah, that's, for example, one app is the tapping solution. You know, you can mm -hmm. download that and, and they literally guide you on, on how to tap. Um, the, the sound healing, you, I have a lot of uh, different YouTube uh, videos that I listen to uh, that have uh, three to five hours of sound healing, you know, um, uh, energy healers that I work with, uh, they're all on Facebook. So I log on to them and their daily practices that they, that they recommend and things like that. So yeah, a lot of it I, I, I have in my phone, but now it's just a practice that I've learned. It's all in my head now. And I know exactly what to do. My body knows what I'm going to do as soon as I wake up and the first two hours are self-care of my day. Wow. Every day, huh? Every day. <laughs> Very cool. What else does Dr. Claudia do to keep her in mm -hmm. the 
tip-top shape to be able to support other people, even though you've moved away from these low-functioning individuals to a, a, a much more positive environment where you're helping people achieve and discover success. Is there anything else that you do to, to support yourself? Absolutely. There's different things um, that I do. I, I love to live in the space of love. That's something that, that is very important to me, uh, to feel it, uh, to allow it to flow, to express it. Um, to share it with others. Uh, so that's something uh, that I do a lot. I, I, I like to live in the space of gratitude. So to be mindfully aware of what I'm thankful for um, in my life, despite what's happening, because there's never, nothing is ever, nothing is always all bad. And so I, I, I like to do that. Um, I love to be a mom. That is one of the things that, that helps me always be thankful is when I look at my little six-year-old, I, I see her and I'm thankful that I'm a mother. And so I train my eye and I train my mind and my entire person to uh, to look for the light. And that's something that I think I've done since I was very little because of the circumstances that I grew up in. And so I always look for the light. I always hold on to hope and faith. I'm very big on prayer and spirituality. And um, so it's just a way of life. You know, obviously, I like to, to eat well and I hang out with my greens a lot and things like that. But it's, it's a way of, of living that has um, helped me get to where I am. And even if things are falling apart, like when the coronavirus felt like it was going to destroy everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, if there was a moment where you felt like the world was just going to eat you up if you walked outside of your door, I looked for the light. I looked for the light. Um, and, and when you can't see it outside of you, you can find it somewhere. Such an awesome and powerful message, especially gratitude. But I love your saying, look for the light. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Dr. Claudia, this has been an awesome, awesome discussion. Thank you so much for co coming on. Where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? So right now I'm revamping my, my Facebook page. Um, but uh, right now I have one. It's uh, Dr. Claudia Solorzano. And I'm going to be opening up a new Instagram as well. So I'm, I'm in the building phase of things. But in the meantime, they can locate me through my email, drclaudia.s at gmail.com and I'm always able to set up appointments or answer questions. I love to answer questions for people or, or you know, on, on, um, on Facebook as well. I'm connected to a coaching community as well and you can find me there and, and I'm happy to, you know, to serve and be there for whomever needs it. Well said. We'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes and we'll leave it there at that. So thanks so much thank and thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.